release the shame of that thing. Whatever that thing is, you thought of it while we were talking, whatever the thing is for you, your life is not going to open up and align until you release the shame of it. Doesn't matter if it's not happening anymore, but there is something that you're still carrying that is keeping you small and shame will keep you small. If it's shame that's making you not share it, please know that there are so many other women that are dealing with the same thing, but not everyone says it out loud. So think of the thing that you may still be carrying and release it and then put yourself out into the world. Mama! Let's reimagine mom life together. Mama Has Goals is your hub for relatable support and helpful resources that help you fuel yourself alongside motherhood. Your identity is bigger than mom. And whatever your goals are, together, we're making them a reality. At the end of the day, parenting life, it's all about finding your unique balance and how you want to do it and what it looks like for you. And our guest today, Erin Washington, does this in such a beautiful way. We talk about the different seasons of her life and what this has looked like for her from transferring from a D1 athlete into now her calling of supporting other women in their health and in motherhood and lifestyle. We talk about how she's now co-parenting with her ex-husband and how we as parents model different things for our children, whether it's body image, how we talk about ourselves, our habits and routines. We talk about different things that we can do throughout our day to increase conversation with our kids and so much more. Erin Washington, like I said, is a former D1 athlete, author of Squats and Margaritas, and the journey to finding balance from pain to purpose, finding meaning in the mess, and a nonprofit founder and the host of the Squats and Margaritas podcast. She's a mom of two juggling workouts, playdates, happy hours, and she subscribes to the philosophy of living life with balance, identifying your balance and knowing what that means to you and that it changes throughout the different seasons. The former college athlete struggled with weight and body image for 20 years. She found her best body after having two kids. In her Squats to Margaritas podcast, she talks fitness, mom life, and whatever's trending with authentic guests who like to tell it like it is. Mom of seven and five-year-old, balancing a new life and overcoming an eating disorder and now helping other women through whatever it is that they're navigating. This conversation is so good. Grab something to drink, pop those headphones in, and listen in. Erin, I'm so excited to have you here today. Thanks for being here on the podcast. I was diving into your book, your butterfly nonprofit, your podcast. And I'm like, gosh, this mom is amazing. And I want to start with just talking about how you balance it all in the sense of I know that you believe in balance. You talk about squats and margaritas, motherhood and business. And I hear a lot from people, balance doesn't exist. And I argue that a lot because I have a different perspective on that. So I want to hear your take on balance and what balance means in your life as a whole. First of all, thank you for having me. Second of all, it's hilarious that you're asking me that question because that is what I ask every mom that I have on my show because I'm like, help me find the balance. And the overarching answer I get is there's no such thing. But if you're even like cognizant about being balanced and finding a balance, you're already a good mom. So I want to say that like if you're actually striving for that, but there absolutely has to be a balance. You can't live in the extremes. And for my life, I lived in multiple extremes. I was anorexic for a while. I was really into like health and fitness and I guess orthorexia and like ingredients and living that way. And I was miserable. Then I had my kids and my daughter and I lost myself after that because I felt like I had no purpose. I was just at home breastfeeding and I didn't see anything else for myself. Probably would have been diagnosed for depression if I actually went and sought treatment. I've lived in the extremes. And when I found this balance of what you called squats and margaritas, it's actually the name of my podcast. I came to a point where I just accept myself as I am. And it's just living in the middle ground. Like you have to just make sure as moms, we have so many little boxes that we need to check and we need Mm -hmm. to show up in all those boxes. And with that comes guilt. And a lot of it is self-imposed, like that you're not showing up in all the other areas. Finding and striving for that balance, I think, is such a common problem that moms face, especially mompreneurs. And I am just telling you if it helps you, like, helps you feel better that I am still striving for the balance every day. And that is what my platform is based on. And I haven't found it. So I try yeah. to find women in the public eye that have come through something and found little tips that I can share and selfishly that I can learn from and also share with my audience. I can't say that I found the balance 
yet. I found that balance gave me my physical ideal, which is what I wrote my first book about. And I finally found happy in my body when I started living with balance. But as far as a mompreneur, I haven't found it yet. Yeah. And do you think that if you talked to yourself five years ago, maybe seven years ago when you had your daughter, do you think that version of you would think that you have found some layers of balance? Because what I see so often is in the present, we're like, oh, I don't feel balanced. But you're a different version of you now than you were then. And that version of you would probably be like, girl, you're crushing it. Look at how balanced you are. Do you think that's the case for you? So it's interesting because she's almost eight, my daughter. And eight years ago, I didn't see any of this coming, like anything that I'm doing now. So like to even consider finding balance between career and motherhood when I didn't know I would have a career, I can't even think of what that would be like. I had no, honestly, like I had no self-worth. I just, I was, it was probably postpartum depression looking back, but I just felt like, I felt like there was more but I didn't know what that is yet. And writing my first book and finally like sharing my story. I don't know if you want me to get into that, but yeah, struggling with multiple eating disorders. I was a division one athlete in college and like the state champion soccer player in high school. And when I went to college, I just wasn't used to not being on the field. And I just assumed I would play. I never came off the field and I didn't play. And we were talking off camera. Like it's, your identity when you put everything into something. And I was going to this college for soccer and everything was soccer. And when I wasn't playing, I finally just quit on a whim and it was gone. And I completely lost myself because that's all I identified any worth or value with. When that was gone, it was like depression, bulimia, just having no self-worth for, I met my husband who was in the prime of his career in the NFL. And that comes with a lot of being insecure and worry when he's traveling and women waiting in the parking lot. And when I didn't have any self-worth, I would just always assume he was cheating. And because I couldn't understand what he saw in me because I didn't see it. And yeah. it's, it's funny that we even married because we dated for 10 years and I was a psychopath that had no self-worth and was always trying to catch him. And where I've come now, I never would have saw coming. But my transformation came when I finally looked at that dark stuff my bulimia, my depression. And I can tell you right now, even if you have a secret like that, that you're not doing anymore, like I wasn't physically abusing my body anymore, but you have not really looked at that or said it out loud, you're still carrying that. And until you address it, say it out loud, you don't have to write a book, write it, tell someone and release it. It's like the next part of your life opens up. And when I let go of that and all that darkness, so many opportunities came. I got my show. I started a nonprofit and now I'm sure we'll get to it. I'm actually in the middle of a divorce. I'm not with my husband anymore, but we co-parent and I still love him. But me finding purpose and alignment in my life felt like it wasn't in alignment with what he wanted. And I know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I had to make the decision that moving forward, like he's not the person in my life in that capacity. We co-parent. And I love him and I want him still in my life, but as a support for what I'm doing now in the body image and women empowerment space, it wasn't a match anymore. And that's okay. And I'm still trying to convince myself, tell myself every day, it's okay. And you just have to, it's like when you get to that point where you release the shame of whatever you were carrying and you realize what you were put on this earth to do and live in alignment, you know that it's okay. It's that it's okay to make a change or think of yourself. And as moms, like we put ourselves last, but I'm finally coming at almost 42. I'm coming into the season where it's okay to choose myself and to lean into what my body feels is right and ask for guidance and receive the guidance and just have this knowing that this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And to have the permission to either change your mind or make your mind for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I think whether that's with a partner a business, a career path, or like your identity and who you want to be. That's so important. And you talked a little bit about how you could not be doing something actively anymore, but you're not releasing. And whether it's an eating disorder or the past identity, there were decisions that I had made throughout my life that I carried shame around. And I talk a lot about this. I had to get over myself to be able to become the next person that I wanted to be. And I want to take us back to that place where you recognized, okay, I'm not physically doing this anymore, but I'm still carrying it. 
And what was the very first step you took? Was it getting outside support from someone, something, or were you able to take the next step yourself? What did that look like? It was not on my own. It was basically pulled out of me. And now I'm so grateful. When I finally found the balance of squats and margaritas, like I said, I found my best physical body at 37 after having two kids. And I was like, as long as I struggled with restriction and deprivation, the way that I found my ideal was living life with balance. Like I started lifting. I have daily indulgences. And I just had this calling. I have to share it with the woman who is still like me on the treadmill twice a day, just burning calories, only eating salads, not snacking, doing it the way we are taught as women and feeling frustrated. So my intention was to share the squats and margaritas lifestyle and help the next woman out of it. And I was like, thank God, nobody ever found out about all my anorexia and bulimia because I'm not doing it anymore. So I go to a um, writing coach and I said, here's what I want to write. I want to help the woman uh, that's working out and not seeing results. And she just very candidly was like, who are you? Are you a trainer? Are you a nutritionist? And I was like, no. And she goes, you don't have any credibility. Like, why would anyone listen to you? And I still was like holding on to it. I'm like, just trust me. I have been through the things and I've come out on the other side and I found what works. And she's, unless there's a story there of how you came to this lifestyle of balance, you have no credibility. No one's going to listen to you. And I fought her. I was like, absolutely not. To give you some context, in high school, I was homecoming queen and prom queen and the captain of the soccer team. No one had a clue what I was dealing with. And I had, I felt like I had to uphold this image and I stopped doing it. And I, I was still trying to keep the image intact. So I was like, no, I don't want to tell anybody that. I just want to help the women. And she pushed yeah. me. And then one day I just wrote it. I was like, I'm just going to write it. I'm not even thinking I'm going to send it back to her yet. And Kelsey instantly, I felt lighter and she hadn't even read it. I was just like, I was bulimic. I was anorexic. I was depressed. And I just wrote it and it was off me. And I felt lighter. And I, like I said, I hadn't been doing the behaviors in maybe 10 years when I wrote my first book, but you're still carrying it. And whoever is listening to this right now doesn't have to be an eating disorder. It could be something that happened to you, something that you went through that nobody knows about. I'll give you a hint. It is whatever you're thinking of right now. You are still carrying it. And until you write it, release it, tell someone, you're not going to be able to move into the next part of your life and for me, I found purpose and what I'm doing now from sharing that pain. And had I not shared it, like I still would have been in that like fog of just, I don't really, I didn't have a purpose. I was a mom, but I felt like there was more. I didn't know what it was. My purpose was going through that to help the next woman out of it and share my story. And had I not shared it, I wouldn't have found profound purpose and alignment. So I can't say that I came to the decision myself to share it, but this writing coach I guess I wanted to sell books and she's no one. Who, who are you? You're like, you have no credibility. So I was like, oh yeah. You want to, and I wrote it. And let me just tell you too, like you said about shame keeps us small and mm -hmm. our secrets keep us sick. And like all those analogies about it, like you think you obviously you have shame. I can't think of a more shameful thing than throwing up your food. And that's what I didn't want anybody to know. I did that, but I can tell you when I shared it, especially right when it came out, I can't tell you the number of DMs I got from a woman that would be like, oh, me too. You're the only person I've ever told. My husband doesn't even know, but I was a safe space because I was vulnerable. I can tell you you are not the only one. So if you're not sharing whatever it is because of shame, not everyone says it out loud, but there are so many other women that are going through the same exact thing. You have to release it, release the shame of it, and I promise you the rest of your life, like your purpose and alignment will just open up once you've released that shame. Yeah. And how do you bring this into your parenting in the sense of your daughter is about to be eight and that's a tricky age. That's where more of this image and these conversations with friends, this really starts to begin and not that it should, but that's yeah. the reality of what's happening. And how do you balance sharing your story and having it be like, hey, I went through this and I want you to be aware and also setting good habits and good expectations and creating a culture that kind of has nothing to do with your story? Because there is this fine line balance of here's what I went through. I want you to know about mom. And that doesn't really matter sometimes. And here's just how I want to show up as a parent. My entire focus is the latter. And like showing her and modeling it now, I have not told her any. She's going to be eight. She's in second grade. I don't want to put anything else on her that she's yeah. not even dealing with right now. But 
I used to think it was all about how I talked to her. I would be like, do not do physical compliments. And I would have to literally, Kelsey, choke down. You're so beautiful. You're so strong. You're so kind. And I, I, for so long, was just cognizant about what I was saying to her, building her up that she's strong and kind and not using physical compliments because then they equate pretty and beautiful with their worth. But I realized recently it is not just what you're saying to them. It is what you're saying to yourself and what you're showing them. If you're telling them you're so strong and uh, kind and whatever you're saying, and then you're in the mirror, I got to lose five pounds and look at this. She's watching you. You are her model of what a woman should be. And I realized there were so many toxic things I was doing, like stepping on the scale. She's watching me step on a little machine and either be like, or yay. And it's, oh, we step on this little machine. And that tells us if we're happy or sad. Or I think back to my mom, she was always on diets, but especially if there was like a big event, she was like, I have to go on a diet. And she wasn't eating this week because we had a wedding or something. All that's doing is showing your kid that the best worthy, valuable version of you is a thinner one. And we don't think about that. We're very cognizant about how we talk to our kids, but they are watching you. And there are so many things that I'm realizing now that I will not pass down to her. Even clean your plate. No, clean your plate. Keep eating. Like your child is saying, can I be done? Recognizing that they're getting a hunger and fullness cue. And you're like, no, we eat until there's no food on the table. It's like telling that it's the opposite of intuitive eating. And then for my daughter, she'd be like, can I get a treat? So I would make her clean her plate to get a treat. Stop making food a reward. Find other like screen time or they get to play outside or stop making food has to be neutral. And it can't be like up on a pedestal like this reward. But all those things like I admittedly was doing and I was like, I'm telling her she's great and wonderful. And but if you're not saying it to yourself, you're doing her a disservice because she is watching you as to what a woman should be. So that was so eye opening. I to answer your question, I've not talked to her about my stuff yet. I will for sure. Yeah. But I am so cognizant of what I am modeling. And I am honestly grateful that I didn't have her when I was in the mess and she could see these things. Like I've come into who I am and full body acceptance and loving who I am. And now I can model that for her. And I didn't have my first uh, child till I was 34. And it's maybe that was like meant to be so that I could be a positive model because before then I wouldn't have been a strong role model for her. Yeah. And this just shows up in so many other ways too, right? Outside of food and body. And I definitely have some questions for you around that. I'm thinking of my own kids. But how does this show up in just how you present yourself as a business mom, a working mom, like how you hold your worth in all these other areas and go after your dreams and your goals and some of the conversations that you have around just empowering your daughter and your son? I will be the first to admit I had such imposter syndrome. Like when my first book came out, I was getting asked to do these shows as like a a wellness expert. And I was like, I don't really, I don't really know. Like I didn't go to treatment and the eating disorder community came for me in my first book. Like this woman is not healed. This woman uses fat phobic language. And I was so hurt and so defensive. Like I finally shared everything and now I'm being critiqued about it. So anytime I was asked to come on a show, I'd be like, I'm going to say the wrong thing and fat phobic language. And I just had to be like, this is my story. This is what I went through. And I am the expert in my story. So I am just talking about what I went through, what I do now, how I came out of it. And when you're just true to your authentic self, you can't be an imposter. You're like, you're just being yourself. And when I am on like a bigger stage or I I was on a reality show recently where I had a little imposter syndrome, I go back to my wins And you have to go back to a time where like you were chosen for something or someone saw you and you have to just keep that with you. So when you're feeling, maybe you don't want to negotiate for yourself. Like it's like a a deal on Instagram. You're going to do a collab and it's like, what's your rate? I'm always like, it's no, you go back to your wins and you're like, for me, my show, I was going live on Instagram during the pandemic and honestly just complaining about having a two and a four year old. I'm sure you can relate. (laughs) <laughs> the world was shut down, Kelsey. I was like, there's no playgrounds. Yeah. They can't go to school. And I would just go live and be like, what in the hell am I supposed to do with a two and a four-year-old? And other moms would come on and they'd be like, scavenger hunt, have them find a stop sign and a pine cone. And I'm like, yes, this is good. Next week, pour a cocktail and I'll go live. And it was like, just to share best practices of momming in a pandemic. And yeah. it was just doing it to entertain moms because we couldn't go out. And a program director in Washington, D.C. at the biggest radio station was watching me every week on Instagram. I had no idea. And she called and gave me my show. She was like, this is a show. 
we will produce it. And I never saw it coming, but I'm like, she saw something in me. So I go back yeah. to her or the girl that picked me to be on this reality show with celebrities that like, I, I couldn't even, I, I felt like I walked in and they're all like, are you lost? Oh, what are you doing? And I'm like, no, she saw something in me. You always have, when you're doubting your worth and you need to advocate for yourself, have those wins or when somebody saw something in you and just have it right there. And that's what, how I will advocate for myself to go back to those wins where I did have a day like that. Like you can't, or if you have imposter syndrome, if you're being your authentic self, you can't be an imposter. You're just sharing yeah. your story and being exactly who you are. And no one could call you an imposter in that. I love that. There's a quote that I love and it is, you could be the juiciest peach in the world and there's still going to be someone that hates peaches. And I come yes. back to that all the time because you could share anything. Like you could say, I love drinking water and someone would come after you and be like, water's bad for you. <laughs> all these things. Kelsey, and, that's and, I get dragged for margarita, squats and margaritas. You're promoting drinking. And I'm like, I'm saying that when I was depriving myself, I would never drink a margarita because sugar yeah. and carbs, like I found balance and I'm happy and I get like you're promoting sobriety. I'm like, I'm actually sober curious and trying to not drink. Like you don't know what, it, like there, you can't win. It's like, just I, a name. <laughs> it's just I'm like, it's name. just like balance. Like you have to have both. And I'm all, I can't, and then I just stop. I'm like, stop. Like you said, you're going to, you, if you don't stop responding, that's all you're going to be doing the rest of your life. And if anybody yeah. is triggered by something, it's their own stuff. Whoever is mad at you. Like I, I don't know if Kim Gravel, she is on QVC and she was like on reality shows and I just interviewed her. And so I've been like watching her Instagram and she has lost like, I don't know, like 60 pounds um, in the last like year or so. And I had her on my show and she was telling me exactly how she did it. It was before all the weight loss drugs. Every time she posts a picture, people are like, oh, Zempic or we go was Gobi or whatever it is. And oh my God, if you would just admit that you're on these drugs and I'm like in there triggered much, leave her alone. And I'm like, nope. For anybody to take yeah. time to write, they are feeling triggered. There's something in you that is making them feel triggered. And yeah. she is just like shining. And I know, like, I want to go to bat for her, but I have to tell myself, like, if, if it's defending myself or defending a friend, like if someone has the thought to write something like that, they are triggered. It is their own stuff. And yeah. you're never going to please anybody. And you shouldn't be afraid to shine or post a picture of yourself because somebody else might feel less than in themselves and attack you for it because that's exactly where it's coming from. Yeah. You really have to just own your story, like you said, yeah. and share your truth and whatever that is. And whatever it's sharing something positive and being scared to share something positive because there's dark stuff going on in the world or vice versa. You want to share something dark, but there's, you know, people want you to be positive. You have to just find what is your story, what's on your heart and be able to share that. And it comes back to this whole conversation of balance, right? Of finding what your balance is in that time and what feels good to you and what's feeling authentic in that time. Is there certain things that you do in your day, whether it's a morning routine or self-care practices or anything that helps you be true to yourself and know what it means to be errant? I have to take my walks. And five, 10 years ago, it was like runs for PRs. Like I was just a psycho training exercise girl. And now I just walk and like I'm in nature and I've started doing the no air pause. And I was like, I'll never be able to do this. It's going to be miserable. Who wants to be able, like alone with their own thoughts? But it is like therapy. And I get outside, especially it's a little colder where I am now. And you get cold air. You can like, your mind opens up. I have a dog now. We will go on our walks. And if I don't get outside in nature and take my walk, I'm not the same person. So I will make that a priority. But you made me think of something for anybody that's trying to balance being a mom and being an entrepreneur. I was feeling like there was no balance. And I had Melissa Bernstein on my show, Melissa and Doug toys. Like she's the Melissa. Yeah. I'm sure you have those toys, but she has seven kids and created the toy brand. And I'm just like, I don't get it. Like, how did you balance it all? And she's like, just tell me about like your day. And I'm like, well, I'm talking to you right now. There's a little boy with curly hair tapping on the window. And she's like, and how do you handle it? I'm like, hold on one second, Melissa. What do you need, buddy? And I'm like, to show him that he's the most important thing. She was like, no. And I'm like, what? She completely reframed it. She's, you don't tell him what you're doing is not important. She's, what you're doing is just as important. And you tell him that what you do helps 
other people. And she's stop dumbing down like what you're doing. And it's like my mom guilt of I'm doing something else. That's not him in the moment. And I can't let him think that she's like, that's you. He, if you're like, go play with your sister, he'd be like, and he would go. But I'm like, I can't let him think. And she's no, you don't tell him. She's let him come in and be on the microphone. Let him show him. And then she goes, you said you had a daughter, right? Don't you want your daughter to have something that she's just as passionate about? So don't say like mommy's little show. And I was like, okay. And then she's like, your other problem is your transition. There isn't one. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you're talking to me. Then you close your laptop and it's okay. But what are we having for lunch? She goes, there has to be a transition or you'll never be able to do both. She's, I don't care if you have to walk to your mailbox, but she's for me, I would work in New York and I would come back on the train. And that was a transition time between corporate Melissa and mom, Melissa. She's like, that's what you're missing. And she goes, you're still in career, Aaron. And you close your laptop. And it's like, what do you guys want? And you're like, eh. and I said, yeah, I'm totally, she goes, you need, even if it's a walk to the mailbox, you need that transition time where you're it just sets your brain till now it's this, because I was like, I can't turn it off. And she showed me that the transition was lacking. So not yeah. dumbing down what you're doing, knowing that the mom guilt is yours and that they're going to be just fine if you tell them one second. But she's like stopping the show to show them like, what do you need? You're most important. She's like, no. And I was like, that sounds wrong. But she was like, no, what you're doing yeah. is important. You need to tell them that too. So that reframe has really helped me with finding the balance and being okay with being a mompreneur. Yeah. I love that you bring that up. When you know, the pandemic, hey, I quit my job. I was working at home. Then I started this business. And my son had, for a period of time would be like, mom, you work so much. And oh. I would have this conversation with him. And I was like, buddy, you think I work a lot because you're home with me. And so you see it. But if you weren't here, you would just think you're at school. <laughs> and yeah. sure, mom's at work, but you're not seeing it. And it was this really interesting perspective for me to be able to be like, just because that's what they're seeing and they're understanding at that point in time, I was actually working like part time. And I worked in different hours because I was an entrepreneur. I was working at home. We were navigating different things. And it was really funny because I was like, I work actually a lot less than a lot of parents in that season. (laughs) But that's just all what he was seeing because he was home with us 100% at the time. And then when he went back into school, he did have this shift of mentality where now he doesn't see me work. So he doesn't have that same mentality. And I think it's really interesting for us to just take a step back and be like, okay, what are our kids actually thinking? They're probably curious. They're probably not like mom's ignoring me and also setting those boundaries to say, remember, this is mom's work time. And in about 20 minutes, we're going to have our, but that's not our time right now. And that's been really big for me too. But when you're in it and you see the little, like you said, curly head boy tapping on the window, that mom guilt is fierce, yes. man. It comes yes. in and you're like, I'm making the wrong decision. <laughs> I'm yes. doing the wrong I, thing. I also got this tip about over explaining what you're doing because for me, I'm always on my phone and usually on Instagram, but I'm not scrolling Instagram. I'm working yeah. like I will have a paid post, like uh, something that has a deadline that I have to do or promoting my show or editing something. And I'm not just like scrolling social media, but my husband too. It was like my husband and my kids would be like, you're always on your phone. But I'm like, I work on my phone, but they see. So I had to be like, I'm not just sitting on my phone. Like mommy is finishing something over explaining it. And I don't know if you relate to this, but I am hyper vigilant is what my therapist calls it. I have to have everything in order and moving and I have to be doing things. And when the house is a mess, I can't calm down. And I, in my mind, I'm like, I have to get this cleaned up so I can get it off my head and I can be present with my kids. That is my um, goal. And my kids just see me cleaning. And like my daughter, she made me realize she was like, mommy, I'm ready to go to bed. And she sees me. I got four things. I'm like, okay, baby, hold on one second. And she's mommy, could you not take that to the playroom right now? And she knew what I was doing because in my mind, I have to have it put away so that I can be present for the bedtime routine. She just sees, I'm saying I have to go to bed and you're, hold on. And I'm going, so I was like over explaining, mommy's just putting this away so we can go do the prayer. But I, in that moment I dropped, I was like, yeah, no, I'll do that later. Like she sees it, but I know that I'm doing it for her so I can be completely locked in because I can't, if I have all the things not attended to, but all she sees is mommy, can we go to bed? And you're choosing to clean up the playroom. And I'm like, no, but so over explaining like why you're doing it or I'm not on my phone. Like they see you on your phone, but mommy's working. Like that was another helpful tip and not just assuming that they're annoyed or like just tell them what you're doing. And then usually they're just like, okay. And it's all our like 
guilt and stuff. They're like, they're, they feel like I'm a bad mom. And no, they don't. You feel it. Like you, yeah. you're carrying it all. They're fine. Yeah. I think that's 100% it. And like, we're just all trying to figure it out, right? That's where it comes back to. Yeah. It's like you reevaluate as you go. And the over-explaining brought me back to a question that I had about like the food for you. So I've heard a lot about making food neutral. And that's something that we've tried to implement in our home and explaining what different foods do for our bodies. So we talk a lot about this is a protein and what proteins do. And this is what a veggie does. And this is why we eat all these different things. Now, my two-year-old will come up to me. He'll say, mom, can I have this? Does it have protein in it? Am I allowed to have this? And I'm like, oh, man, this kind of went the other way. Now they're on the other end of it. And so he's now, a nutritionist now. Now he's a nutritionist. So I'm curious with your personal experience, with how you show up as a parent, just your opinion. It doesn't have to be right or wrong. Yeah. I'm just curious, your mom opinion. What are some ways that you would neutralize this again so we don't think that everything has to be good for us and everything has to be yes. protein? For me, it's all like, how does it make your tummy feel? Like my daughter, so she's just under five feet tall in second grade. She's going to be six two. Like she's so tall and she's just growing like a weed and she is hungry. And she'll be like pouring this huge bowl of cereal, like two waffles next to it. And like going to the, and I, and I don't want to ha- give her noise about it, but I'm like, do you, how do you think that's going to make your tummy feel? Or sometimes like letting them do it. And then yeah. she's all oh, my tummy. I was like, cause we didn't listen to our tummies. We listened to yeah. our tummies. So in my house, it's listen to your tummy. Or if they say, can I be done? It's not clean your plate. It's how does your tummy feel? And then for protein and stuff, my son is all about like superheroes. And I'm like, you don't even eat your broccoli, dude. Like, how are you going to be strong and like Spider-Man or whoever their person is? So he likes to eat certain foods that'll give him muscles. But my tip would be do not make any food off limits. I don't know if you follow the food babe, Bonnie Hari. I had her yeah. on my show and I, I was like, I just have to tell you, I'm not into all the ingredients and Look, looking at all these things and she would put what is wrong with Chick-fil-A and all these things. And I'm like, don't show me. But she's educating. But I said, I have to ask you, like, when your kids leave your house, they probably eat all the bad things because they're not accessible to them because only yeah. like healthy things. And that leads to binging. And she's mm-hmm. like, maybe when they're older, yeah, like they're still at the house all the time. But for me and having all the eating disorders, food that was like up on the pedestal, like the bad food, like the old, like the treat food, that's because I looked at it as up on the pedestal, that's all I wanted. And yeah. it made it enticing. And if everything is allowed, there's not a reason to binge because it's not mm-hmm. off limits. And so you don't be like, I have to eat all the chips. Like for me, I'd be like, I would have, I would eat clean during the week. And then I'd have like my cheat day or I wasn't drinking wine during the week, but then you drink all the wine on Saturday because it's your drinking day and it's not available on Monday because it's not a drinking day. I had all these rules. And when I just said, everything is off limits, it makes it, I'm excuse me, everything is allowed, not off limits. It makes it less enticing because you can have it. When you say I can't have it, that's all I'm thinking about. That's all I want. So my kid, everything's in the house, but I'll be like, if my son, I don't want to tell them it's bad or not allowed. Like he loves Lay's potato chips, like the yellow bag and he will have it and he'll ask for another one. And I was like, I said, you have to listen to your tummy. How does it make your tummy feel? So we'll say that, but I don't say, no, we don't eat chips. They're bad because then he's ooh goes to Nana's and he sees the chips and he's, he's winning it. It makes it more tempting. Take it off the yeah. pedestal. Food is neutral. Food is fuel. If you got a little boy, what superhero, whatever they're into, like, how do you think they got those big muscles? I'm always like, I, it hasn't gone the other way where he will only eat things that have it. Like, does this have protein? But that's how I handle it in my house. It's all about how does it make your tummy feel? And nothing is off limits. Yeah, I love that. And I think the on the food standpoint, I'm just thinking about how that shows up and like how we care for ourselves and our hobbies and our time and our scheduling in the sense of if you want to go do these things as a family, whether it's like a vacation or going out to dinner with your partner or going and doing this like special thing, how do you sprinkle more of those joys into your life? So it's not like you're only finding joy when you go on that family vacation or you're only finding joy when you go out to that fancy dinner with your partner. Like how do you bring more of that in in the same way that you're not binging experiences or binging food because you can't have it and it's on this pedestal? Because that brings us to not be super present in what we're currently doing. And I think that's just, again, comes back to the balance, the theme of today of like, how do you create those different balances in your life? And so I want to talk a little bit about identity, because I think that is really where we can create more balance with anything is if we're holding our identity in places that we are finding lack of balance, that makes it really difficult. So 
it is very common that when people grow up doing sports, that is their identity. And my I grew up dancing, not depending on whether you want to call that a real sport or not. It was my identity. It was. But it was the main thing I did. But my husband was super athletic and he played a bunch of different sports. He also played football in college. And we talk a lot about how that was his identity. And as parents now, we talk about all the good things that came from that for him, like all the friends that he made, the things that he learned in these activities. But it was a huge part of his identity. How did you looking back on how you made that transition? I know you talk a lot about this in your book, and I'm really excited for everyone to grab that. If you have a child that plays sports or you went through that transition, you should definitely head to Amazon, get her new book from pain to purpose, finding meaning in the mess. Absolutely love it. But how do you show up now for your kids to say, okay, I want you to be really all in on this thing. I want you to be super excited and obsessed. And having a professional athlete husband, this is in their genes, right? You're going to have this, but we need to have an identity outside of that. So like, how do you find that balance? What what are some practices that you're going to try to implement? Yeah, diversify. Like, my daughter is all about cheer. And in the South, it's like football in the South. I mean, it's competitive cheer in second grade. And yeah. it is so, I don't want her to get burnt. I'm thinking like more burnout, not even yeah. want to cheer because it is so much, but she loves it right now. But I'm like, what about soccer? Like, I want her to try everything. And then that's what I did. Gymnastics, dance, soccer, softball, cheerleading, like basketball, everything. And then soccer stuff. And that's what I wanted to pursue. And that's what I was getting college offers for. So that kind of became my thing. But I think a lot of it has to do with birth order because I'm the oldest of four girls. All four of us played division one soccer in college. I was the only one who was psychotic about it and obsessive. And I would train year round. Like my sisters who all had successful college careers, when I was the one obsessed with it, they would be like, oh, we have winter workouts. I'll, I'll go for a run or something. Like it was just something. For me, yeah. it was everything. And I'm the one who had it not work out. And you just have, it has to be just something that you do. And it sounds like easier just to say that, but like you want to praise your child and have them do their best and like really apply themselves. But it can't be the only thing. You have to diversify. They have to find value in something other than their sport. And when that's all they're hearing is, oh my God, you're so good at football. You're so good at whatever their thing is, then they're like, oh, that's my value. Like I'm good mm-hmm. at football. And then when football has gone one day, like you mentioned my husband, he played nine years in the NFL and he had played football since middle school. He'd never had another job except linebacker. That's yeah. it. And then one day it will be gone. And for him, he was 32 when he retired. Yeah. And then it's what's next. Like when you put everything into something that was your identity, regardless if you have a successful or unsuccessful career, that's what you find your worth and value in. And when that is gone, it is, it's very hard. It's, I've been told it's like a death, especially in the NFL, like the death of career, his football persona, like that person is no longer. And it's who are you now? And I, when I quit soccer in college, and that was the only thing that I saw value in full scale depression, I had no other identity. There was nothing like now I'll just do this because everything was soccer. So I would say, don't, it's not don't say that they're great at whatever their sport is, hype them up, but don't let them think that their value is so like the physical compliments is being pretty or playing soccer, like just give them all well-rounded compliments on what a sweet person they are. My daughter's a great artist. So I'm like, you drew the most beautiful thing. It's just make sure that you're complimenting other aspects, even if they're the best football player in the world, like great, but don't make it all about that. Or especially a firstborn obsessive personality like me will be like, oh, this is why I'm worthy, why I have value. And then one day when that's gone, it's going to be a slippery slope to depression and I just, I know what to watch for now. And if they're too into something, it's maybe we won't play that this year. Like just watch it. And I do think it has to do with personality. Like you have to be susceptible to, you. if you know that your firstborn or somebody has an obsessive personality and they're all in, it sounds amazing and driven, but it can take a left into something dangerous. Yeah. And I think even beyond retirement or you naturally falling out of that sport, whether it's age or not playing as much as you want to, there's also injury, right? That can happen and that can take it away from you and be super unexpected. And then all of a sudden you're not able to do the thing you want to do anymore. What are maybe some habits that you like to create as a household and as a family 
to keep you connected, keep conversation flowing, because that's something that I see a lot in our community. It makes all of this, everything we've talked about today, easier when those lines of communication are open. And you're just starting to get into the ages where maybe they're a little less responsive. So what are some things that maybe work for you to be able to continue these conversations? And even if they're not responding, you're putting it out there. I love this question. We sit down to dinner every night as a family, no TV. And everybody says the best thing that happened today and the worst thing that happened to them. And now I see them be like, oh, I'll tell you later. Like they'll hold on to a memory or something from the day that they want to share. And it's like a tradition now that they know we're going to sit down together and I'll like, oh, Maya goes first or Jace goes first tonight. What was the best thing that happened today? And they'll just be like, they're in the spotlight. The best thing they say it and then she'll do hers. So that's just like a, we're all kind of sitting together and collaborating and I'm present and they- expect it. So we do that every night, but I forget who gave me this tip. I was always saying kids don't realize, especially young kids, they don't realize like how much time you were working versus how much time you were spending with them, but they know when you're like locked in with them. So it can be 15 minutes where your computer's down, your phone is away and you're just locked in with them. And I always make a point since I have two kids to give that time to just one of them. So they feel special. But what I wasn't doing and someone else, I wish I could credit her was like, you use that time, tell them, ask them what they want to do. Let them come Mm. up with, this is my time with me and my daughter. What do you want to do? And they don't know it's 20 minutes. If you think about it, 20 minutes in your day will make all the difference. They got to choose what they wanted to do. They just had mommy. And like in the grand scheme of things, like that 20 minutes is going to make such an impact. So we'll do the 20 minutes. I just started incorporating. What do you want to do? No, it's mommy and Jay's time. What are we going to do? And he can't even sit down. He's so excited. It's 20 minutes. And it's so meaningful to them. And then the what's the best part of your day? What's the worst part of your day? Even if my grand, like we're at their grandma at my mom's house, they're like, Biba, you're not saying the best part of your day. And she's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, oh, it's like they expect it now. We sit down and we talk about, and then you can uncover things. Like my daughter, who's in second grade, would be like, somebody said something to her on the playground. I'm like, oh, what? Like, what, what happened out there? I'll learn what's going on where she wouldn't have told me if we didn't have the best part or the worst part of your day. So, I'm up on what's happening with my kids. They get their little moment in the spotlight to share. And we just feel really like present and locked in with each other every night. I love that. And you mentioned you're going through a divorce now. It's a fairly peaceful divorce. You guys are co-parenting really well. And I think it's so important to normalize that just because someone isn't meant to continue to do life with us, it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be this giant catastrophe. Love that. So thank you for modeling that. But these practices that you have at home and things that are really important to you, let's talk about the co-parenting piece and how you keep those consistent or different between households and have this family culture, even if it's separate. Yes. Love this question too. For I can't believe that I'm speaking on this. I've been with my ex for 18 years, but I would like to see the numbers of women who file for divorce in their 40s because I feel like you finally step into who you are in your 40s. That doesn't really work for me anymore. Where when we were like, we're 24, I was like, whatever. Yeah, sure. That works for me. I ha- It has to be a thing where you realize who you are and things aren't aligned anymore. And maybe your career starts to elevate and it's not a match, but I would love to see those numbers. So in my early 40s, this has happened to us, but we are co-parenting so well. And I was telling you, it's almost confusing because we do get along so well, but in the capacity of co-parents and almost like friends, not as the spouse support role, because that's off the table. Now we can get along. And I probably stayed a year too long because I was trying to keep the family unit intact. And I was like, my kids at the time were four and seven. And I was like, I can't do this to them, but they surprised us. I still can't believe how easy the transition was. And maybe it's the way that we did it, but we all went out to lunch as a family. We told him as a family and it was like, mommy and daddy love you so much. Mommy still loves daddy. Daddy still loves mommy. But they were noticing like the fighting and the yelling and the toxicity. And that was almost like the last straw. I was like, I cannot have this kind of toxic energy. Even if it wasn't like awful, just this, I felt like my shoulders were up all the time. There was always just toxic energy. And I can't show Mm -hmm. my daughter that this is normal or she's going to be in a relationship and Someone's going to say something to her, yell at her, and she's going to be like, this is normal. This is marriage. This is love. This is what I saw. So I was like, I can't model this anymore. They were, I remember the last straw, I was yelling and my kids brought me from their play kitchen. They came upstairs. They're like, mommy, we made you this calm down dinner. And I was like, huh, 
And I was like, oh no, she's like, you were yelling at daddy. So we made you a calm down dinner. And I'm like, I wasn't yelling at dad. We were just talking loud. And then I was like, wow, like they feel it. We have to be in separate houses. So when we go to lunch, I was like, we don't want to be yelling or anything. I want to be the best mommy I can be. Daddy wants to be the best daddy he can be. So now we're still going to be a family, but we're going to have two houses. And they were like, what? and I like excited. And I'm like, yeah. And right now after we eat, we're going to go to Target as a family. We're going to pick out sheets and toothbrushes and everything for daddy's house. And then I went over there and had like their best, like big ticket favorite things from my house at his house, like in their room. So they woke, they like opened the door like, like my son said, thank you, mommy. Thank you, mommy, for doing this for us. And I'm looking at him and we're like, wow, like they handled it like bosses. Like yeah. they thanked us and they, and I, it has, it has only been seven months. So I don't know if like at some point they're going to be like, my son will make the comment. He's five and he'll be like, sometimes it crushes me. He'll be like, mommy, I just want one house. Can I just have mm-hmm. one house? And I'm like, so does mommy. We don't want to be fighting. And look, we, we love you so much. Everybody's getting along. You can go to one happy house and this happy house. And when we go to cheer or soccer, I don't know what to call it. I keep saying my husband, my ex and I sit together because in my mind, I was like, I cannot have them coming off the field and be like, well, who do I, who do I go, go to? to? And yeah. it's been so, so easy. Like the first time it was weird. We're like, do we sit together? But now it's, I don't think anybody even knows that we're divorced because it's so easy. Look, the last seven months, we just sit together and then it's like, fist bump. I take the kids. He's still in my life. I want him to be in my life. He's the father of my kids and I still love him. But I think for me and I, from what I've heard, like when you get around 40, you really step into who you are and maybe it's not the person that you were when you got married and it's not a match anymore. And so for so long, I was trying to like almost dull myself down so that he would be appeased and be the person that he married and just be like that unambitious woman that I was when he got married. But I am in alignment with what I am supposed to do. I know I went through all my mess to be able to have the platform that I do to share inspiring stories, bring the next woman out of it. I even took it a step further and made a nonprofit for teen girls that was not available when I needed it. So I created it and I know this is what I'm supposed to do. And if he can't be on board for that, I have to go in a different direction and it doesn't have to be like volatile. It's we, it's fine. It still sounds so weird to t- talk about divorce because it's not like this contentious divorce. And if it was, it'd be a lot easier to just be like, because we get along great. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe we can make it work. But when you know what you are here for and yeah. you're living in alignment, it's that it's the right decision. And I think just coming into this a couple of years ago, just exactly why I'm here. And it starts with releasing the shame of whatever you were carrying. You realize maybe this isn't a match anymore. And I don't regret anything. And that time was wonderful. 18 years together, we have our children and that was the reason. And we will continue to be in each other's lives. But like moving forward into alignment with why I'm here, he's not the match for that anymore. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're doing it so well. And I'm sure sometimes it doesn't feel that way on the inside or where you're at. But There is no right way to navigate life or divorce or parenting or anything else. We have to figure it all out for ourselves. But I can say, wow, I'm like so inspired and admiring like how you're handling it. And this might not be your story, but I know lots of women that do end up getting divorced. They go through this transformation separately with their partner and they end up back together. And that might not be your story and probably isn't. But I think it's important to remember you can always just let whatever is going to happen in your future happen. And whatever is meant to be, I don't want to say everything happens for a reason or whatever is meant to be. I don't really love those sayings of the cliche-ness of that. But I think trusting in what is right now and not worrying about what is meant to be later. That is such great. Thank you for that advice. (laughs) I need that because I love the person that he is. And I can see once the kids are on their own and I'm not doing this anymore and he's not just our souls, like we'll we'll come back to each other. But right now I'm going to do what I know I'm supposed to do. And that's not a match for what he wants right now. Then that's okay. And yeah, it's not contentious. Like maybe we will end up back together. And (laughs) like you said, you can't really think about that. Like for now, I know yeah. this is the right decision. And I second guessed myself for so long. And then even though I was like, this is not a match for me anymore, I was trying to preserve the family, but we still have the family. Like I told him to spend yeah. the night on Christmas, stay in the guest room and he has matching Christmas jammies. And cause the kids will be so happy to have daddy here and I don't hate him. But as yeah. a 
when you see other relationships, like my sister is a CEO of a company at 32, like boss, her husband hypes her up and is there a team. And he, I didn't have that. And when I, I know that exists, you won't like settle for less than that. And maybe you weren't settling for a while because you didn't know what you wanted and you didn't find your purpose. But once you find it, don't settle. Like when you find that certainty of this is what I'm supposed to do, if it doesn't align for you, I'm not going to dull myself down and try to conform to what aligns for you. It's your life. And I swear, like when you get to 40, it's you just step into who you are finally and you don't just live for everybody else and you have the guilt of you got married and you have to, this is, marriage is work. And that is true. But when your values and like what you want no longer align and you're just, anybody that's listening to this and is just staying because you don't want to do it, your kids may surprise you, they are fine. And we, as long as you're showing them a great co-parenting relationship, And I would say, tell them together, sit down together, go pick out things together as a family. It wasn't like I dropped them off. Like we did it as a family and we're still a family. We just want to be the best mommy and daddy that we can be. So we have two houses, but they're fine. Like I, I can't believe how well they handled it. Yeah. And I know you said you think that you may have stayed a year too long, but I think from hearing this so good that you made this decision when you did, because maybe if you had prolonged it, if you had waited longer, then there would have been more resentment. There would have been more tension. There would have been Ooh. things that hadn't gone well. And then this has been able to be a peaceful transition because you're like, you know what? Let's do this now before it gets to a place that I can't see you at the front porch at drop or I can't do these things. So I think it's so important to know what's right for you. And I think this shows up even outside of this in the sense of don't stay in your job to the point that you absolutely hate where you work. Don't stay in your business that you no longer want when you no longer want to be there. Don't keep that friend around to the point that you guys really shouldn't be friends anymore. Like you have to listen to what feels right. And I have a friend, Haley, that says bless and release. You have to bless and release when things are no longer like serving you. Yes. And I just thought of something too. If someone is, yeah, you found your purpose and you're so aligned now. And like it, me five years ago, it'd be whatever. Let me just say that if you are feeling, I felt like itchy and a little bit unfulfilled. And I know as a mom, you're not supposed to say that out loud, but I felt, oh, we say that here. Okay. <laughs> I felt like there was more, but I didn't know what it is. And I'm like, I just, I can tell you start by, like I said, releasing the shame of whatever you're carrying. But what is something that you've been through? that you can help someone else out of. And it doesn't have to be like some dark thing. It could be something you could teach someone. Just start Mm -hmm. putting your authentic self out in a blog, make an Instagram page. I don't know, if you knit, if you, whatever, maybe it is something that you've came through and you wanna share it and help build a community of people that you can support. You find purpose in supporting and helping others. And you get there by saying out loud what you've been through, releasing the shame of it, And then that's how you find purpose. And I would say start by just putting your authentic self out into the world and go back to my show that I have right now is my favorite thing I've ever done. And I got it by being my authentic self. I had no other aspirations. It wasn't an interview. I I never thought about having a podcast. I was just being myself on the internet and a program director was watching. You never know who is watching you and can like, give you exactly what you're looking for. But I can tell you, you won't get it if you're not putting your authentic self out into the world authentically and organically as you are. Just as you are, put it out and just look for the guidance. We didn't get into blue butterfly, but there was a a blue butterfly coming to my doorstep maybe for two, three weeks, every single day, Kelsey. And I wasn't, I am a spiritual person now, but I was, this is so crazy. My kids would be like, mom, your butterflies here and it wouldn't fly away. And I had all these videos and I'm like time stamping it like God universe. I see it. What I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it, but I'm at any time there was something uh, like it was like with my divorce or this is an overshare, but like there was a time where I was a keynote speaker somewhere and I was getting a lot of pushback on leaving during the school week to go and give this keynote. And I was like, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I should stay home, even though there was, a father here. I had a lot of shame about it. Kelsey, I went to the biggest, I'm in Atlanta. I went to the biggest airport in the world. So TSA line is ridiculous. I could have stopped and gone to the bathroom to throw off the timing. I could have stopped to tie my shoe. And there's people coming in the TSA every second, like in the line, wherever, where I end up, it, I, I come out, I can go right or left. So all the variables up to there, I go right. 
the next bin when I go to put my shoes in to go through TSA had a blue butterfly sticker in it. And I was like, I took a picture with it and I was like, God, ask for clarification, ask for guidance. Whenever I'm like, I I will see a blue butterfly on the backpack. I was staying with my sister in for Easter. We had a cabin with nine bedrooms. I opened up the room. There were blue butterflies all over the wall. So I was like, this room works for me. Like I will ask for it and I will get it. Either the blue butterfly in the physical, which has been back or what are the odds? How could it ever be in that same bin that I could have gone anywhere? And now I know. I keep getting the reassurance that keep going. This is what you're supposed to do. But put yourself out into the world authentically as you are. Ask for guidance and it will blow your mind because you will get it. But I just say it's right there, but you're looking at your phone. So yeah. ask for guidance. Put your phone down. Go take a walk in nature. You're not like doubting God or the universe to like question or be like, is this right? Ask for guidance. And I get it. And it's like goosebumps. And when I talk to other people, they're like, yeah, same thing happened. If you're feeling a little unfulfilled, Release the shame of what you're carrying. Put yourself out into the world authentically and organically. Ask for the guidance and then you will get it. And then you'll know exactly why you're here on this planet. Yeah, so good. And be present enough to see it and hear it. I think that is such an important detail that you said. Put your phone down. I have one final question for you. But before I get there, I want you to talk about all the places that everyone can connect with you for Blue Butterfly, for Squads and Margaritas, for you as Erin. Go ahead and tell us the best places. Yeah, so I got—I don't think I even said it. Blue Butterfly is my foundation. I ended up naming it Blue Butterfly because of the butterfly stalker that I had. And that is mentorship and advocacy for teen girls who are struggling with body image and self-worth. It's at the Blue Butterflies on Instagram and the bluebutterflies.org. My podcast is my favorite thing in the world, Squats and Margaritas. You can get that wherever you get your podcast. We talk about parenting, entrepreneurship, fitness. Like I don't want to be like pigeonholed into like squats and margaritas and being fitness or anything. I love just talking about a lot of mom stuff, branding, stuff like that. And then for me, it's I am Aaron Washington and I show up the most on Instagram. Awesome. So good. And I love all your content. I think it's super relatable and real, which is my favorite thing. If I go to someone's account, I want to be able to hear like the realness behind it and also not just sit in the hard, but get a takeaway to be able to make it a little better. And that is definitely clear on your platform. So absolutely love that because we don't want just the toxic pour a glass of wine or have a margarita, but we also want to say have a margarita today and then tomorrow maybe wake up and go for a walk. It's all about balance. You have so many things that are going on in your life right now. You just released your book, which I actually also love that there's a second edition or a second addition to that book. Is that what you call it? Where you added post pandemic, your new perspective on it. Absolutely love that. So you just released your book. You have your divorce going on and a new co-parenting relationship. You have so many fun moving parts and excitement. But what would you say is something that you're really excited about right now or your biggest goal, something that's really lighting you up in this season? Oh my gosh, great question. I know I wouldn't have this a couple months ago. I wrote a children's book called mm-hmm. I'm Just Like Me. And it's to show kids that there's no reason to compare because everyone's exactly how they're supposed to be. If you're taller, if you're shorter, if you weigh more, if your skin is darker, that's okay. No one is supposed to look like anybody else. And I feel like God downloaded it into my brain. Like I woke up, I wrote my other two books took months and months. And this I wrote in the span of like maybe three days, every stanza rhymed and I'm so proud of it. But let me just tell you, anybody that has published a children's book, Godspeed and gold medal, it is so hard to get a publisher. And then if you get to a publisher, they're like, we can't read this because you don't have a literary agent and then can't get literary agents to respond. And at this point, I've not given up on a publisher, but I will self-publish like I did my first two if I have to, because I'm just so excited about this book and getting it into the world and just getting it in the hands of young kids to know at an early age, you're just supposed to be like you. You're not supposed to be like anyone else. I'm working with an illustrator on it right now. And I want my daughter on it because like like I said, she's five foot tall. She's biracial and always asking like why she's so much taller, why her hair is curly. I'm like, cause that's how you are. You're not supposed to be like anyone else. And there's no book that like says that. So hopefully I'm just like me. We'll find a publisher soon. If not, I will publish that thing because that is what is lighting me up in this season. Oh, that is so good. I can't wait to read it. I know that it's going to be so good. We'll definitely make sure we share it with our community. For everyone that's listening, we have these episodes where we get so many good takeaways and we had such great conversation. But if you were to tell someone to take one specific action, 
after this episode ends today, what would you tell them to go do? Release the shame of that thing. Whatever that thing is, and you thought of it while we were talking, whatever that thing is for you, your life is not going to open up and align until you release the shame of it. Doesn't matter if it's not happening anymore, but there is something that you're still carrying that is keeping you small. And shame will keep you small. If it's shame that's making you not share it, please know that there are so many other women that are dealing with the same thing, but not everyone says it out loud. So think of the thing that you may still be carrying and release it and then put yourself out into the world authentically as you are and watch what happens. So good. Thank you so much for your time, Erin. This was so great. Thank you, Kelsey. I love what you're doing and it was such a pleasure. You, your story and what you have to offer this world fills me up. I want to meet you. Join me on Instagram at this is Kelsey Smith and let's create a ripple effect for mamas with goals. Together is better.